0: Nigel just said to me earlier in the worship, he said, it just feels like one of those mornings when it's a bit of a, there's a, a moment, a, a thing to kind of go, come on, church, you know, the room's fuller again, I, you know, that's a practical thing, but that's great. And it's, um, and I, I've been prepping, thinking this week and, and the whole week I've kind of been like, God, what is it you want me to preach on and focus on? We're going to be in Ephesians 5, by the way, so, um, try and find that in your Bible or on your phone, um. And even just this morning, I'm like, but God, what do you want me to focus on? What's the, what's the thing for us this morning? And really, I guess it's this, that um, I want to call us as we go through this passage to give up living mediocre lives as disciples of Jesus. And just kind of doing a half-hearted walk with him. I don't want to beat anybody up with that. I'm saying if you're here this morning, which you guys are, um, which is obvious, um, but as we're here this morning, I want us to go from this place with a renewed sense of commitment to Jesus, to following him, to walking with him as we will see in a moment in our lives, that, that we are those who are walking with Jesus in life. And that we're doing that really intentionally. That we're encouraging one another, that we're a community that encourages one another to walk with Jesus, to, to, to be filled with the Spirit. And so that's what I want us to focus on. And again, just recognizing the season we've been in, it's, you know, it really does um, cause us to, to kind of just do the ups and downs of life and, and recognize that even you know, as life goes ups and downs, up and down, so too sometimes does our faith and our walk with Jesus. So my heart is that as a family together, that wherever you are right now, this is a call to say, come on this morning. Renew your love for him and commitment to him. So I'm going to read through the um, first verses of Ephesians 5. And then we get going. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children. If you, when Helen said, what's your name? Yeah, Sorry, not what's your name. But if you're kind of like kind of like as Helen shared that about your name and you're thinking, yeah, I I just feel unknown. I feel unloved. This right off the bat this morning tells you your name is beloved. God loves you. He likes you. He wants to hang out with you. He wants you to be with him. That's the, the reason I'm saying that renew your love with Jesus this morning and your walk with him is because God wants to dwell with you. Relationship with God is the goal. Enjoying him forever is the goal. Enjoying him today, whatever is going on in life, is the goal. God loves you, and he says, you're beloved children. So your name is beloved. In fact, just because I know you love doing this, tell your neighbor, your name is beloved. Oh, and do it like you actually care about it. So we are called to be imitators of God. We're to imitate God in this world. As beloved children, we've got to go fast on this. We're not even going to get through the verses. And we are therefore to walk in love just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. But sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you, as it is proper among the saints. Let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking which are out of place. But instead, let there be thanksgiving. For you may be sure of this, everyone who is sexually immoral or impure, or who is covetous, that is an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. The sons of disobedience are those who profess to walk with Jesus and yet just live in habitual sin. Therefore, do not become partners with them, for at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. And so another name you have is light in the Lord. Tell your neighbor that. Come on, let's go for it. We've got to be fast. (laughs) Therefore... Therefore, it says, awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Look carefully, then, how you walk, not as the unwise, but as the wise, making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk on wine, which for that is debauchery, but instead be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Amen. All through that chapter, and in fact, um, as Malika preached last week, through chapter 4, there's this kind of refrain that that kind of says, be like this, don't be like this. Live like this, don't live like this. Walk like this, don't walk like this. And that's there all the way through. And it's possible to read chapters four to six and think that being a Christian is primarily about sin management and behavior modification. As though that's the goal. That we are to just... Make sure we're kind of walking the, you know, the narrow tightrope, that we're kind of watching ourselves, that we don't sin, and that's the goal of the Christian life. We can absolutely read these chapters and come away, if we're not careful, with just this impression that, that now I'm a follower of Jesus, what's expected of me is sin management. I need to do a performance quota on my life, making sure my good deeds outperform my bad deeds. I think we often can think like that. Ah, oh, I've I've had a good week this week. Therefore, God will be pleased with me. Ah, oh, I've, I've I've mucked up thoroughly this week. Therefore, God is not going to love me in the way that we had. And I think oftentimes that kind of thinking, as much as we, we, you know, we know it's not true, but we often live like that. We often live with this with this sense of these sin scales, if you like, in our lives. But true following Jesus, discipleship, calling one another on in love and faith is not sin management. It is actually a call to live in the kingdom here and now. It's a call to walk with Jesus, to to reign with God in life, to have a relationship with our heavenly Father. It's, It's so much richer and more than sin management. Yes, as we see in a moment... Yet, let's put sin to death in our body. Let's not let sin reign among us. Let's not just say, well, because of grace, then we can go on sinning. No, no, no. Grace teaches us to say no to ungodliness and yes to righteousness. It, we've been freed from the power of sin. We are now, the Bible tells us, we are dead to sin and alive in Christ Jesus. Not just so that we are morally. Good before God, although that is true. We have Christ's righteousness. We've been, our sin has been forgiven. Uh, as Mara read it earlier, our sin has been uh, removed as far as the east is from the west. We've been set free because of Jesus' death on the cross. Because he took our sin upon himself. He became sin for us. We've been set free from the power of sin. Now we get to walk free. Because sin is now no longer our master. And I think a lot of us are stuck just kind of living, kind of going, oh yeah, I, I need to do better. I need to walk a bit more faithfully and then God will be pleased with me. We, we revert back to this um, righteousness by works, being right with God because I'm not sinning very much this week. Therefore, he will be pleased with me. But following Jesus is primarily not an issue, as I said, of sin management. I've just bought a new book um, called Beautiful Resistance by a guy called John Tyson because I thought the the back blurb looked fantastic. And on day one, the dog ate it. On day three, the dog ate it again. And then on day four, Jude nicked it. Um, So I've only read the back thus far. But the back is brilliant, and I recommend you buy it just for the back. Um, I just want to read it to you, just the back. Um, And it says this. We live in a time, it kind of, it's the back kind of re, sounds like a rephrase of Ephesians 5. We live in a time, he says, when our culture is becoming increasingly shallow, coarse, and empty. Radical shifts in areas of sexuality, ethics, technology, secular ideologies, and religion have caused the once familiar landscape of a generation ago to be virtually unrecognizable. Yet, rather than shine a light, shine as a beacon of light, you know, you are light. Rather than shine as a beacon of light, the church is often accommodating or silent. He goes on to say, this isn't a new phenomenon. During World War II, pastor and theologian Dietrich Bonhoeffer was deeply troubled by the compromise in the German church. Their capitulation to the Nazi party brought shame and dishonor to the gospel. In response, he helped create an underground movement of churches, this is Dietrich, that trained disciples and ultimately sought to renew the church and the culture of the day. In our compromised church, we need new underground movements of discipleship and resistance. A revived vision for faithful discipleship. One that dares to renew culture, restore credibility, and replace compromise with conviction. Amen. If, he goes on to say, if you felt conflict in the soul between who we are and who God calls us to be, this book, he's basically saying buy the book, is a bold invitation to reclaim what's been lost regardless of the cost. Following Jesus is not just sin management. It is a radical call to walk against the flow of the culture that we're surrounded in. It's a radical call to Jesus' vision of his kingdom on earth. That's why we pray, your kingdom come and your will be done. Following Jesus is a radical step. And for so many of us, we're just kind of not quite there. We read about it, we hear about it, we hear the invitation, but often we just kind of, we're just stuck in the wrong gear. But as Paul encourages us right at the start of Ephesians 5, follow God's example. And, it, and God's example was this just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God, being a discipleship of Jesus looks costly. It looks radical. Why should we do this? Well, Peter says this, just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. So absolutely, let's put sin to death. We need one another to help us do that. We need the spirit of God to help us walk free. And then the apostle Paul recognizes the challenge of this for us. He says this in Philippians 3, not that I have already obtained this, or I'm already perfect, but I press on and I make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. I press on. I'm going to pursue Jesus in life, this radical vision of God, walking with God, of being with God, of walking against the culture of the world, of not just saying, well, you know, it's just too difficult now, or we're just, kind of, we're just going to fudge a few areas of life No, we need need to radically believe what God calls us to be as his people. And this is why Ephesians is such a fantastic book to get this. Because as we've said over and over, chapters 1 to 3 is what God has done for us. Chapters 4 to 6 is about walking with Jesus, learning to live in this world that we are aliens and strangers in, that isn't our home. It's about walking with... Uh, in relationships, how do we do that as followers of Jesus? And it's about, and it finishes saying, how do we stand against the schemes of the enemy? Because we have an enemy. And so Christianity begins with a big do. I'm sorry, not with a big do, but with a big done over it. Our walk with Jesus starts not with do this, Not with, sort yourselves out, don't sin anymore, sin less. It starts with, no, Jesus has done it all. Jesus has accomplished everything that makes me right with God. Jesus has accomplished everything that makes you right with God, that brings you into a living relationship with your heavenly Father. There's a guy called Watchman Nee. Um, Hands up if you've ever heard of him. And keep your hands up if you've ever read the book, Sit, Walk, Stand. Ed. Ed. And Graham, why am I not surprised? um, Oh, and Tony, sorry. um, Well, it's a great book. Um, Sharon reminded me of this book just a a few months back. And and I've been reading it again as we've been going through Ephesians. Because he's writing on the book of Ephesians. And Watchman Nee, he became a Christian in mainland China in 1920 at the age of 17. And that very year he began writing. He began writing what a relationship with God looks like. And in 1952, he was imprisoned for his faith, and he remained in prison for 20 years until he died. He counted the cost of following Jesus, his radical life with God that cost him freedom, that cost him suffering, that cost him comfort. But he knew that it started with what Christ has done. Listen to this in, in his book called sit, walk, stand. He said most Christians make the mistake of trying to walk in order to be able to sit. But that is a reversal of the true order. Our natural reason says, if we do not walk, how can we ever reach the goal? What can we attain without effort? How can we ever get anywhere if we do not move? But Christianity is a strange business. If at the outset... We try to do anything, we get nothing. If we seek to attain something, we miss everything. For Christianity begins with the bit, not with the big do, but with the big done. Thus, Ephesians opens with the statement that God has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. And we are invited at the very outset to sit down and enjoy what God has done for us not to set out and attry, and try and attain it for ourselves and so in his book uh, watchman nee he he talks about how ephesians paints this picture that we start by sitting in what god has done for us in christ that our position is now seated with christ in the heavenlies that we have relationship with God, that God sees us and he sees Christ's righteousness, not our sin. That we are beloved children of God. And he starts by saying that that is where the Christian life starts. It starts with sitting, resting in what God has accomplished for us. In fact, he says that to, to grow in Christian faith, we must be seated in Christ before we can begin to walk in him that we are invited to experience the finished work of Christ Jesus we are not to try and earn it and that this position of sitting is actually the mindset that we are to have as followers of Jesus that it's to motivate us that Christ has done it all and that's why Paul he spends the first 3 chapters proclaiming this is what Christ done You get to rest in that Christian. You get to rest in his saving work, in his his riches, in his rewards. Ephesians 2.6, And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in, in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. And in that way, we begin our journey with resting in Christ. But being a follower of Jesus... That's our position, that's our starting point, resting in Him, sitting in Him. But then we are called to walk as followers of Him. We're called to to walk with Jesus through our lives in this world and in relationship with people. And so, walking really is the practical outworking of our life with Jesus and it's why Paul goes on in verse uh, chapter 2 verse 10 to say this through the church the manifold wisdom of god might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places god's work of salvation but the way you and i walk is a demonstration of that that we really know the father that we really have relationship with god and watchman nee goes on to say this what is the secret strength of the christian life whence has its power Let me give you the answer in a sentence. The Christian's secret is his rest in Christ. His power derives from his God-given position. All who sit can walk. All who sit in Christ can walk. For in the thought of God, the one follows the other spontaneously. We sit forever With Christ, that we may forever walk before God and men in Him. And that's exactly what Ezekiel said would happen. I will put my spirit within you, God's people, and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. And so, I'm just going to blast through this bit. What does walking look like for the Christian life? It looks like walking worthy of the calling to which we've been called, Ephesians 4.1. Ephesians 4.17, it looks like no longer walking in futility that Malika touched on last week. It looks like the beginning of this chapter, walking in love, just as Christ has loved us. Ephesians 5.2, Ephesians 5.8, it looks like walking as children of light. And Ephesians 5.15, it looks like walking with wisdom. And elsewhere in the Bible, in the New Testament, we see that we are to walk in the Spirit. Galatians 5.16, but I say to you, Christian, I say to you, Paul says, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Romans 6.4, I'm not going to read it, but we walk in newness of life. 2 Corinthians 5, we walk by faith and not by sight. 1 John 7, we walk in the light. And 3 John, we walk in the truth. We start by resting in God. But resting leads to walking. It literally flows from, walking flows from resting in God. And God has called us to walk with him faithfully. In a world that hates God, hates the things of God, hates the the kingdom of God, being a follower of Jesus is about walking with him. And so I want to finish by praying for us. Because let's just jump back to verse 15. Paul says this, Look carefully then how you walk. He says, Watch over, take note of how you're walking, not as the unwise But as the wise, making best use of the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of God is. Why does he say making best use of the time? Literally because Christ has purchased us. We now are not our own, we live for Christ. The life I live, I now live for Christ as a follower of Him. My time, my life, my walk. My wants and desires actually belong to God, to Christ. And that should shape my life. But Paul recognizes the reality of the challenge of the world that we live in. Just recently, I was listening to Radio 4 and there was a program about, um, it was incredibly sad, it was talking about people who have become alcohol dependent and alcoholics over the lockdown. And there was this lady sharing her story just really openly and honestly. She, She said that, she she just said on this interview she said i've always probably drunk more than the average person in any given week but she said when the lockdown came along i had no reason to get up i had nowhere to go and nobody to see and i just began to to drink and she said within 3 months i became a full-blown alcoholic i had liver damage I now now have to live totally free from alcohol for the rest of my life. And she was sharing her story in three months because life got turned upside down and she gave herself to alcohol. And Paul speaks right into this. He says, and do not get drunk with wine for that is debauchery but be filled with the Spirit. Why does Paul give that as a way of walking? Don't get drunk with wine. Because... He recognizes that life has pressures. He recognizes that life is tough. He recognizes that, that life, even for a Christian, is one of incredible challenge over and over again. And he's saying the pattern of the world is to, to get rid of sorrows, to numb the pain, to find joy in a world full of pain. People who walk without Jesus often will drink. But let me be honest. I think in the church... Many of us often drink. We might not say, you know, we may be too shiny and too polite to say, um, I, I, you know, we don't frame it in the I'm trying to numb pain. We know Jesus numbs pain for us. But we might frame it in the I can't wait for f- the finish line on Friday evening to get home and have a glass of red. I can't wait for, for that meal on Saturday night when I'm going to go out and have a gin and tonic. I'm, by the way, I'm not saying you can't have a drink. But many of us kind of live with the finish line. I was listening to another program on Radio 4 about alcohol dependency being the middle-class phenomenon where where if you can't just live your week without that finish line of Friday evenings being, I get home, Friday evening, it comes, I'm going to have a drink. They said, that is alcohol dependency. And I wonder that many of us actually if we're honest with ourselves, we are probably more dependent on alcohol than we like to admit. I think Paul is being incredibly practical here. But listen, he says, don't walk like that. Don't live like that. That's how the Gentiles do. That's how those without Christ do, sorry. But you are to be filled with the Spirit. So he's not just saying, don't walk like this. It's an invitation to life with God, to be filled with the Spirit. And he says, it begins to look like this, addressing one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. So at the end, there should be lots of singing. Wouldn't that be weird, like a musical? Hello, Clive, how are you? You know, that that'd be... Uh, I knew you'd do it. Thank you. No, um, <laughs> wouldn't it be weird? But that's what Paul's saying. He's saying, sing to one another the love of Christ. Be the love of Christ to one another in the way that you speak. Come on church we're not to live like the world do. Yes we look around and we go what is going on? But thanks be to God that he reigns. Yes we have challenges in our lives and we go I don't know if I can hold on but thanks be to God that he holds us. We look around and we go we can't make sense of this moment but we know a God who has the knows the beginning from the end and is orchestrating all things. And he says You don't need to try and numb the pain. You don't need to try and find joy in the bottle. He says, be filled with the spirit of God. Go on being filled. Be being filled. Spend your time in the presence of God, singing his praises. When you're doing the dishes later at the sink, just sing under your breath, God, I love you. I worship and adore you. When when you're together in community, celebrate the things of God. Remind one another of what God's done for you. He's saying This walk for the Christian life is one of being filled with the Spirit of God. And I want to finish by saying this. I think we need to recapture this in our life in the church. That we are a people that are to be filled with the Spirit of God. We cannot do it on our own. We get in a mess and we start to go, it's about how well I've done this week. It's about trying to not sin. Well, yes, I don't want to sin because I'm loved by God and He's holy and I want to be holy. But I need to be full of the Spirit that... That I I desire the things of God. That I worship and adore him. And so I want to pray for us right now to be renewed in our love for God. Come on, stand up. To be filled with the spirit of God afresh. I want to invite you next Sunday evening. We're gathering to have an evening of worship again. And we're going to pray. And I want to invite you, not just invite you. I want to put your arm behind your back and twist and go, you need to be there. Unless you're working. Or an S is a good reason. Understand, you know, grace and all that. But you need to be there. Because we need one another to pray for one another. To build up and encourage one another. We need the spirit of God among us as a community. And we are wanting to spend days of saying, God, we long to be a people full of your spirit who sing to you. Not just because we're doing that because I'm a Christian, but because you've put your spirit in our hearts. And you cause us to worship you to one another, that we sing to one another. And I believe that in these days, God wants his people to not capitulate, to not compromise. That's true of every generation. But we have got to be that beautiful resistance of God's people living his kingdom vision on earth, full of his spirit. So Father, can I invite you to lift your hands right now? And maybe you're here this morning saying, do you know what? I've just been weary in faith. I've just been been kind of ticking along. Do you know that's been part I was just saying with them recently, that's been part of where my heart's been at recently. You know, since Sam died, I've just found just being in the presence of God and enjoying him hard. I've just It's not always been easy. But I know that God loves me. And we, we, we sung it this morning. He is for us. He is not against us. He helps us in our weakness. The Spirit helps us in our weakness. And he breathes the life of God into us. And so, come on, let's raise our hands like we are... Like we are reaching up to God this morning, not to say, look how high I can reach, but to say, I am in desperate need of the love of God in my life today. I'm in desperate need of the the Spirit of God in my life, breathing afresh upon me. I'm in desperate need of your presence and your affirmation again, O Father, that says, beloved child, child of light, one who gets to walk, not as the unwise, but as the wise. And I do that in the power of the Spirit of God. And as I walk with him, the the outflow of that is is the the fruit of the Spirit, is is worship and praise and adoration, is encouraging my brothers and sisters in Christ. So we pray, Holy Spirit, breathe on us afresh today. Come, Holy Spirit, where we are weak, we thank you that you are our strength. Where we get tired, we thank you that you breathe life and energy into us. We thank you that where we forget, you remind us of who we are in Christ. And I pray for us, as Gateway Church this morning, may your spirit fall afresh upon us. Church, drink of God today. Receive him afresh. You haven't got to work for this. That's the point. It's about resting in him. You go back to resting in him. And for those who said, I've, I've just really tried over this last two years. I, I haven't given in. I've, I've kept fighting the fight. Well done, good and faithful servant. Stand. And then when you stand, you stand again. But you need the spirit again. So come, Holy Spirit, renew our hearts. Set our heart. we he sung it earlier, didn't we? Set our hearts on fire. Lord, we need revival. My heart needs reviving for the things of God in my life, in my family, in my marriage. Lord, as a family right here, we need revival fire in us that revives our hunger and heart for you in this day, in this age, that we would be confident in the things of God. We would not give in to the things of the world we would, we would stand firm saying, Jesus, you have my heart, not just my words, you have my heart. You have the affections of my heart, the thoughts of my mind, the speech of my mouth, the actions of my heart, they belong to you because you've purchased me and I am yours. And so we welcome you here, Holy Spirit. We welcome you here. I just want to set a challenge for you tomorrow. Just focus on God a moment. Tomorrow, as you wake, I just want to encourage you just to sit on your bed Or just find a chair downstairs or something, wherever is your space, and just sit with your hands open and just say this, Jesus, I need you. Come, Holy Spirit. Father, I want to walk with you today. And just for five minutes, just rest. Just be. Let let the Holy Spirit remind you of who you are in Christ and what he's done for you. Your starting position is not that you need to do anything But to remind yourself that it's done and allow the Spirit to come and uh, breathe afresh upon you for tomorrow. Tomorrow's gonna have enough of its own problems. So start with Christ, rest in Him. And I promise you, because this isn't me, this this is exactly what Paul's just been saying. Don't get drunk on wine. I think he'd also say, don't just look at the email. Don't just go to Facebook. Don't just do the things that that we form as bad habits. But he says, start. Rest in God. And then the fruit of the Spirit will begin to flow, even tomorrow. I want to prophesy that over your life where you say, I I do do that, but it feels like work. No, 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 rest in Him and let the Spirit breathe upon you. Let Him remind you that you are loved by God tomorrow morning when you wake up. So, Holy Spirit, come, we pray, renew us in this day. May we be a people who love the who who take that who take you seriously in our walk with you, O God. That we would walk in step with the Spirit, being led by our spirit self, saying, Oh God, I need you. Oh God, I long for you in my life. And so I bless you, church, today. I bless you with, as Paul, as Paul uh, says earlier on, I bless you with every spiritual blessing that's yours in Christ Jesus today. May, may God's face be upon you. May his face be turned towards you. May his smile be upon you today. May you know that God loves to dwell with you. This is, this is going to be a season where we are calling one another to walk with Jesus, to be with him. And so I bless you, Gateway. I pray, I pray, Father, I'm jealous that we would be a people who are passionate about you in our lives and your glory and walking with you because that's what you've invited us to, Lord. You've not invited us just to, just to manage our behavior. You've invited us to walk with you. And so, Lord, we say we're here for your glory. In an age of compromise, we say, Lord, we want to be faithful men and women, young and old, just like Watchman knee who counted the cost in his generation. We say, Lord, do it again in our generation. For your glory we pray this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen.